Welcome to Season 4 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the leaders' conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? Well, this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you don't never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And we are both thrilled for this episode of the podcast. We're joined today by Dr. Michelle Cummings-Steele. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. We are glad you are here as well. So, you know, we, we start off our episodes whenever like one of us knows one of the others. And and I remember, I don't, Michelle, I don't know the first conference we met, but it was online. Maybe it was the summer, but we had had some exchange because I don't, I should know this better anyway, but I'm going to fast forward to something else. So I remember in December, went to the LEI conference online, loved it. That's one of my favorites to go to. Normally it's in person somewhere in December. I think every third episode, Dan or, or I reference the LEI at Ohio State and some monumental thing that happened as a result. But anyway, I saw you and you spoke with your co-inquiry group and I immediately reached out to you. I said, oh, you got to come on the podcast and talk about some of the stuff that you're doing as well as this group. And so um, fast forward, we're here today to hear all about you and your work, as well as the the peer group that you've created um, to help further leadership education. And so um, where we'll start for maybe the people in the audience who have not met you yet, Michelle, um, can you tell us how you got started in leadership education? Yes. So again, thank you all so much for having me. My start in leadership education is through our local government, um, truthfully. So I'm not a uh, career educator. I come to leadership education. I come to higher education from metropolitan government. I worked for our, our then mayor, the fifth mayor of Nashville, Bill Purcell, uh, again, in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was in his Office of Neighborhoods. And the Office of Neighborhoods helped to organize communities around issues. And we were the go-between between the mayor and community and, and vice versa. And what I found in that work was that people didn't really understand the power they had within themselves to affect change in their communities. They wanted government to do it. And so that was uh, my first job out of college. I worked in that capacity, worked in that office for about two years, two and a half years, and then became director of the, of the, of the office. Uh, create, and, and at that time, in between time, I was creating programming because I saw a need for training. I saw a need for to fill gaps. Um, again, people just asking us for things. And I was like, you know, civics had gone away real civic education had gone away. People didn't understand uh, how government worked. And so they were calling the executive branch to do things that a legislative branch should do, or uh, you know, just, just not knowing where to get things. And so I started developing trainings, started uh, going into community late nights because community work is in the evening, um, started just training. And from that, you know, for me, I didn't have a doctorate at the time, but for me, you know, um, in my community and in, in my family, you you went to get the highest education that you could attain. 
and not knowing where I would end up, I just knew that I had to get a doctorate because my grandmother didn't have the opportunity for that education. And she expected me to, although deceased, that was still very strong in my family. And so I'm second generation getting uh, even a college degree. And so I uh, went to get the doctorate and just my, my journey is really just falling into, <laughs> into things. And, 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 you know, you could say that it was planned. I knew that I wanted to teach people the power they have within themselves to affect change in their situations. And so that's become my mission uh, and vision, you know, for my, my life and my work. But uh, how I was going to get there, I had no idea. So I, I started in community public leadership. Um, went to Tennessee State University, did some some teaching in their public administration program, and then ended up, and I'm doing quotes, the uh, audience can't see me, but doing quotes, ended up at Lipscomb University through a connection. I have strong administrative background. They needed some development of their leadership program. I just finished two years prior a doctorate in education um, uh, and management, and so it just kind of worked out, but I bring that public leadership into my classroom, still with that thought in my mind, teaching people power they have within themselves to affect change in their situations. Oh, I love that you shared that because you you brought in that that familial piece with your grandparents. And, and I get when you say like, you can hear them speaking to you from the grave like that. Nope, come on now, don't do that. You know, you Absolutely. hear that. Yeah, but also thinking about the opportunities that you have access to that they didn't have access to or could could have been been killed or hurt trying to get access to. So it's it's that push to help you make sure you take advantage of those. Absolutely, absolutely. And that that is that is uh, part of my family. It's not tradition, but it's it's that push. You've got to mm-hmm. got to get all that you can because uh, that's the one thing they would say that they that they can't take away from you. Is yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about like what you do present day? So you talked about public leadership and how you bring it to into the class. Like what what are, what work are you doing right now? Yes. So I am a director of the Master of Arts in Leadership and Public Service at Lipscomb University. I was brought here under a um, different program, the Master of Arts in Civic Leadership. And of course, you know, uh, accreditation is accreditation time. Uh, our programs were very entrepreneurial. And so we had president um, that um, uh, wanted to be in community and wanted to do that kind of differently. And so they, they, and I'm going to do quotes again, put a program together, threw a program together, and it did really well, but SACS was coming. Our accreditation body was coming and they knew that they needed to shore some things up. And so um, I had been doing some work around capstone in the program and had given some recommendations. And that was based on my experience um, in my doctoral program. And so I'd given some recommendations around the master's capstone project process. And so when it came time to hire someone and they needed to fill these gaps and shore up, they said, they looked to me and asked, you know, would I apply? And I did and ultimately was hired. And so that program, was a, a, uh, is a, a master's program that our students identified needs in community, and then they would uh, recommend and, and implement solutions in community. And so what, that, what, what the university had was a good base, but it needed some meat, it needed some, it needed some theory to practice. And, and I feel like, uh, you know, not knowing that when I came here, that's my niche, theory to practice. 
let me say, I knew practice better than I knew theory. I just knew how to do it. Common sense told me how to do it. And then I went and I'm like, oh, would you look at that? There's somebody. <laughs> somebody <laughs> else said this ahead of time. How about it? How about that? Um, and so my learning over the past seven and a half years has been kind of backwards. Uh, in, if you think about how a, um, uh, an academician is, is prepared. And so mine, again, was I knew how to do it. I knew what the practice was. I had to go back and get the theory. And so that's kind of really, again, become my niche, uh, a theory to practice or what I call pracademics, um, uh, taking what we're learning in the classroom and applying that to public leadership, applying that to community. And so I don't know if I've answered the question. <laughs> no, for sure, Michelle. And I, and I think that it's... It's a it's a it's a brilliant perspective because you're you're blessed with that experience and being able to bring that into the classroom. I mean, we're we're such a hodgepodge of of practitioners and academics that that are leadership educators and and it's, it's interesting because we have this cadre of folks that come from student affairs and by coming from from student affairs, they're they have been in it. They've been in the trenches in leadership right. uh, and higher education and and in addition to to those folks, we we tend to have very few like classical academics that find their way into the leadership education field. Someone who's got, you know, not, not that that might not be, we, I feel like we have this like third wave of folks coming into the field that, you know, you could now get a, a minor and or a bachelor's in leadership, a master's in leadership, a, a doctorate in leadership or a related field. And, and I'm not sure what type of leadership educator that would produce, um, but it's, it's great to talk with, with folks like you and, and others in the field that have, they've, cut their teeth on, on this or that, you know, and have been out in the, out in the field, they've been in, they've been abroad, they've been where, you know, wherever it is to, to get those experiences and bring those experiences into the classroom as, as stories. I can only imagine some of the, some of the laughs and some of the, the, the reactions you're getting from some of your students when you're able to say, oh, wait a minute, we're talking about situational leadership. Let, let me share a story with you about, maybe we'll get have, you to, to, to share one of those. I have a those. lot of stories <laughs> and I tell them often, this is Vegas. Because the things that I can bring to you, it, it absolutely happened. Mm -hmm. And this is the way that it happened. This is the way the power influence happens, you know, in right. real life. And so I'm like, you didn't hear from me. <laughs> That's right. I love that you say that. That's actually, um, I always do um, an exercise at the beginning of each of my classes where we all set ground rules for like the semester. And one of the ground rules I always put up, there's two that I put up. One doesn't make sense in this context. The other one is I just write Vegas rule. And I say, what happens in Vegas, y'all? And they'll respond and they'll say, stays in Vegas. I'm like, that's right. This class needs to be a safe space for this. And they get that, you know, whether it's something that I'm going to share or something that they're going to share. So no, that's that's great. So so in addition to, to, teach, to teaching at Lipscomb, so you've served on a couple of different boards in Nashville as well and in the leadership community. And you're just bringing all kinds of experience to your uh, to your class. And would you share a little bit about maybe what you've what you've learned in some of those roles and how what you've been able to do in those positions? and perhaps how you bring that into the classroom? Absolutely. It, it remained very important to me once I left Metropolitan Government because I had worked there for 14 years um, developing relationships. And we all know in order to get things done, relationship is important. And I wanted to maintain that. And so um, I've invited um, uh, those that I've worked with in different, you know, varying um, departments across uh, metropolitan government to my classes. And I've even done that with state government because uh, you want to, again, bring that theory to life. And so then how does that show up in your work? And then it helps with uh, 
internships and graduate assistants, you know, it, it helps with those things, you know, for our students. But uh, like you've said, I've maintained um, uh, my touch in community, my, my, um, my foot in community. Um, I am on our board of parks and recreation. And I thought that we were going to have fun. I was like, this is, this is easy. It, it's parks. It's easy. It's, it's playgrounds. It's greenways. I <laughs> went to that board, had to hire the director, had to uh, look at policies, especially around public statues. And so that's conversation across uh, the country. Um, that those kind of situations, I get to I get to bring those experiences into the classroom, especially around public monuments. That has been fascinating for my students. And I've been able to take them to meetings with me. In the, um, in the uh, COVID uh, world, it's a lot easier for them to get to meetings. I mean, students, depending on the student, depending on the, you know, the university, they can or cannot drive. They can or cannot bring a car. And so being online, they're able to attend these meetings. And I make that part of my curriculum as well. You have to attend so many meetings. You have to tell me who was there. Give me the five W's, <laughs> you know. I um, love that. I love that so much. So they they have to attend and they have to, to see um, uh, what they're reading about. And so we're reading about the color of law. Reading that book by Roxine, what does that look like? Uh, you know, we had, a, 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 unfortunately, a bombing here. Um, Christmas Day this past year. And so there were public meetings around that. Do we make that, I bring color of law into that, but do we make that housing or do we make that public space? What, what do we do with that? And so one of my students, and I forgot to say that I'm also director of urban studies for my department. We have a new program, but what does that look like for a city? So how are you involved in conversations uh, that affect people? And how can you lend your voice to those? And so, being a um, uh, a uh, uh, commissioner um, on the parks board, and I also sit as chair, uh, getting to lead those uh, conversations. My students get to see me in action. They get to see how you how you govern, what governance is, how you're a part of a conversation, bringing voice, teaching you the voice you have in situations. Um, and then those partnerships, it becomes important. I'm also on uh, Civic Design Center, which is a, a private, and I try to mix it up, but a private um, nonprofit uh, or a nonprofit uh, board that works on design. So that helps my urban studies students. So as I'm saying yes to these things and reaching back into government, I'm looking to see how I can help, how I can continue to bring about change, but then what benefits my students and then what benefits the university in those relationships. Yeah, no, I, I love how you are introducing this, these, this, you know, melting pot of context for you, for your students. I can, it's funny, as you were sharing the story, I was thinking back of a couple of courses I took uh, in my doctorate, which was in, you know, curriculum instruction, but the focus was higher ed administration. And this one particular faculty member, he was a president of one of the, one of the SUNY campuses. And his, he'd always say in my prior life before he became faculty in this higher education program. And not only was he bringing in some of the stories that he had when he was president of this, of this institution, but also he said, you know, you need to watch boards of trustees go at it. You need to watch boards of universities go and he uh, whether it was community college systems or community college boards or universities or private colleges he would find these videos of public meetings that were on youtube or on other links and assign them as case studies and it changed the way i thought about 
everything with higher education. And I still, and, and I still think of uh, about some of those when I'm working with, with administration at my university now, because like those lessons they they, he drilled at home without a doubt. And it's a way to really watch leadership, Mm -hmm. to really become a student of leadership, to see how some of these things are done or not done, how things get done or don't get done, how, um, and I keep saying where the power and the influence lies and then, and then why they're making the decisions that they're making. Who are you protecting? Right? Yeah. Right. Right. You protecting or is this really for the good? And I think our students are really kind of seeing it's it's not always for the common good. (laughs) There's some power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's some power at play there. And so understanding those dynamics as they go out into the workforce. Those right. are those are the best lessons. Uh, you know, when you can bring it into the space where you make it relevant for for them, it just it, it takes whatever you're learning to that next level. Like when you talked about parks and recreation, my undergraduate degree is in sport and recreation management. And so when you're talking about recreation, it's not as simple as right. It's not as simple as we just want this park to be beautiful. And do we, you know, do we have a basketball court or a tennis court? Or there's just so much that goes into that that whole system. Um, I love that I feel like you're modeling your, for your class, for your students, you know, what it, what we want them to take away about leadership development. You know, it's not just this thing you read and I click through these slides and you write down, but it's how do we kind of take these principles and put them into practice into what we're seeing um, on these boards. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I do also too have a really good idea for, so I teach a communicating leadership class. It's 1000 level. It's freshman to senior. It's an elective. Some people it's required, but I wanted to incorporate something where they got active in the community more than just the community service. And a colleague shared with me, um, I should have them look up whatever uh, bills are pending or what people have, like referendums people have to vote on in the city of Philadelphia or in their hometowns and have them do some background research so that they can see kind of what the leaders are saying and doing in action. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good assignment. I well in the summer when I'm not teaching, I think I'm going to do some digging and find some stuff because the thing I think about too is our students now. I feel I always tell my students you you can't change a tire, but you can change the world. Meaning that they have no problem taking on these super lofty goals like the the Greta Thornburgs of the world that that are trolling presidents of countries. Y'all have no shame in that. But then like some of the the like like foundational skills like when to use google to search for information you don't know sometimes it like eludes them right and so i I said i'd rather you know how to change the world than change this tire because you can always go to the 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 store the mechanic and get it fixed these are the bigger issues we need to challenge and i feel like we just owe them so much to help put that information and prepare them so that they feel like nope i see this you know dr Steele told me about this and now i'm gonna go in and change it so i love it yes yes and they feel like they can Yes. Yeah. 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 They feel more empowered to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you talked a lot about your professional life, but like I said earlier, how I kind of, how, what I, what put me over the edge in terms of she's got to come on the show and talk about this is you presented with, I believe it was eight other people at LEI about your co-inquiry research group. Um, can you tell folks about like how this got started and what y'all do and, and then kind of how does it benefit your work as a leadership educator? 
Absolutely. So um, we know that everything begins with, with relationship. And as you all said, you know, we met at different things. Our, our paths uh, cross at uh, LEI, at uh, ALE, you know, education has all of these ILA acronyms. <laughs> I call them alphabet soup. That's what I lovingly yeah. alphabet soup. In edu higher education and education K-12, we have all of these acronyms. And so uh, we we meet up at these different uh, conferences and, and you know, you come to each other's presentations. And that's really how we all came together. Carrie Priest at uh, Kansas State University um, uh, reached out to me. It's been about a year. It's been about a year. Yeah, it's been a year. Uh, I guess, you know, COVID, that's the, that's the, <laughs> yes. everything. But she reached out to me, she and Kathy Guthrie at Florida State University reached out to me um, about um, thinking about new forms of inquiry, learning and practice um, as leadership educators. Um, and so they wanted to bring together a group that could co-create visions of leadership education, uh, our professional practice in light of COVID. In a po in a post COVID world, and that's what it was. And um, and I have trouble coming back to what the original vision was because it's it has um, we still have the original vision, but it has it has blossomed. Um, and one of the things that we know is that we're not just talking about a post COVID world uh, when we think about pandemics. We're thinking about the pandemic of race relations as well. We're thinking about uh, you know all of the pandemics that have come out of. COVID, all of the, the inequities that we've seen. And then how do we as leadership educators uh, address those, the, those things? How do we, with, with, no matter what discipline, no matter what uh, nonprofit business government, uh, you know, no matter what area you're in, none of us can come back from any of this doing the same thing that we were, that we were doing when we went in we have to come out of it different. And so for educators and especially leadership educators, because that's our discipline, then how do we teach? How do we teach, um, how do we teach our students for a world that is tomorrow? How do we, how, how do, we do this? And so um, co-creation, uh, co-inquiry is a time to, and it takes time. So this is not one of those things that just, just happens. It's not sit around a table today and it's done tomorrow. We knew that we uh, we wanted to do publication. We came together for publication, um, uh, New Directions in Student Leadership, NDSL, for December of this year. We knew that this co-inquiry process would take some time because relationship is important. Um, and so we knew that we would need to get to know each other. We would have to get to re-evaluate re, re ourselves um, is we're thinking about competencies of leaders. We knew we would have to go through those processes as a group. And as you said, there were eight of us. Um, they ask myself, um, they ask educators from across the country and, and there are eight of us uh, that ended up doing this work. And we, to, we, we committed to meeting once a week, um, every Friday. I gave up our Fridays. If you're going to be off, you just give it up. <laughs> but it's something that you wanted, you know, from this, you wanted to do because the conversations were so rich. They were so deep. We know each other's children. We know each cats. I know Garfield from Darren, Pierre. Uh, we, we know, uh, we know each other. And we're, as we're all getting COVID shots now, we're texting in the middle of the night. How, what are your symptoms? <laughs> you know? Yes. 
And so um, it, it has become a time, you know, getting to know your colleagues on a deeper level, but also thinking about leadership education and, and hopefully putting forth some new things for all of us as leadership educators to think about um, as we, you know, as we seek to do this work. Yeah, I love that you shared that because really quickly my so I'm in uh, just started writing my dissertation and I'm looking at how do we as faculty members interact with students. Um, and I, I was on that path and then COVID hit and I was like, wow, so if I'm experiencing all of these things from the political incidents that are happening from the the, the as a black woman from the, the racial and you know gendered issues that are happening that are now magnified. And then there's also this global health crisis. How am, is that affecting how I show up in the class for my students? Is it like helpful for, is it helpful or harmful? Meaning as I'm processing, is it making me or, more empathetic? Or as I'm processing, am I stressed that I'm not able to positive to interact with students? And then as a result of that, is that then limiting their ability to meet those academic outcomes, right? Because we know historically they need those positive interactions, those healthy relationships with their faculty members. So I love that y'all are having this conversation really broadly, though, because there's so many areas of leadership education that could be looked at on a microscopic level, especially when the, the call is we need more leaders and we need better leaders and we need younger leaders too. So it just seems like this is a positive thing for the greater good uh, of, of kind of what, what our work is. Yeah, yeah. We've got to identify those new questions, those new considerations. We've got to do that work. Again, to your listeners, we cannot, to your listeners, we cannot come out of this the same way that we went in as educators. You've got to, you've got to do that. Um, we also though can't look at it as just COVID. Like one of the things that bothered me really early on was people wanted to say COVID, COVID, COVID. And I'm like, but there's an economic crisis happening. There's a lens of color that that's happening. We haven't even gotten into our, uh, the various abilities and, and folks that are struggling in those spaces, right? And, and like, like I, I was on a call last night, a DEI panel, and there was a woman who said she was kind of happy that everything shut down because she's a person who is, identifies as disabled disabled. And she was saying, I love working from home because my house is set up to like accommodate my needs and my job was not. And so we're not hearing enough of those narratives where people are like, you know, I'm okay with, you know, not having to go to work because my job wasn't accommodating for me. Right. And so it's like, what are those stories and how are we considering that as we're also putting in narratives around, I miss being outside and I miss being at work and I miss being with my friends. And so it's just, it just feels super complicated and there's a lot there to unpack for, for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, there was a lot of loss um, through, through this pandemic, a lot of loss, uh, uh, life, jobs, family members, you know, th there was a lot of loss, but there's a lot that it gave us. And I hear um, that uh, young lady saying, these are, I was invisible for a moment. You know, my job didn't meet my needs and now I'm able to do that at home. And then even if, if we come back into the, to, 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 a, to a, a box of four walls, you know, to do the work, what will that look like? Or will we continue to work remotely? Sometimes, you know, satellite come in and out. So a lot to think about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I love too how you're, you're making sure to bring full 
completely to the front of, of the conversation that there are these dual, dual pandemics. And, and I'm thinking specifically about the positive pedagogy piece that uh, you and your team wrote for the uh, International Leadership Association's interface newsletter uh, called Co-Inquiry During Pre- Unprecedented Times. And the I think it's the opening, yeah, it's the opening paragraph is like, hey, there's, there's two pandemics going on here. We've got COVID-19 and we've got racism challenging folks to to just to think differently. And I, I'm thinking back to, so we had um, Carrie Priest on the podcast last June. And one of the articles that we had co-written together in the, the New Directions that, that we had co-edited about becoming and being a leadership educator was about advancing the community of practice for leadership educators. And one of the things that we definitely called out to our colleagues and our friends and our, and our community of practice was Yo, we got to get together and have these conversations. We have to have conversations with diverse others, with diverse communities, with with folks that don't that are that are leadership educators, but have come into this role from a from a different path that we than we have. And what does that mean for the experience? And so I just love. I mean, again, I was like fanboy on the side when I saw your group come together at, at LEI, because not only was it just a, you know, a bunch of folks that I have so much respect for, but I was like, I want to be a part of that conversation too. Like there, like I can just imagine the great things that are, that are being said and be, and, and planning that's being had and, and not to mention the pets, you know, and all that good stuff, uh, but just getting to know each other and deepening those relationships and whoever, collectively brought that group together. You can, like, as, as soon as I saw the group, I knew that the great things are going to come and it gives us an opportunity to practice what we, what we preach as leadership educators to go back, not only for our communities to model that, but to share with our students too, like, Hey, you can continue to do this just because we're meeting via zoom. Doesn't mean that you can't have these think tanks that you can't bring together folks from diverse worldviews to, to, dive into complex issues and have those dialogues because that's what we are that's what we need to be doing as leadership educators is having those conversations and learning the skills to facilitate those conversations and and take the risks to be vulnerable in those conversations absolutely absolutely so yeah i, I, I don't know if there's any particular story or anything that comes to you comes to you from some of those conversations. And I know at, at that point we're, we're, we're kind of, we're running out of time, but I would love if there's anything maybe that you wanted to share from, from that Owen Crewry group that really, really kind of just sticks in your head as you, as you think about how you practice leadership education right now. So we, uh, you know, in our, in, within the discipline of leadership education, we all of course have different roles, uh, some director, some faculty, um, and even at your various institutions, how uh, leadership education plays out, it looks different. And so being able to share uh, with each other your institution's approach to, to this work um, and, and where the support is and where it isn't has been really interesting. Um, and some days we come to our meetings and we're very stressed. We're stressed by what is happening in the world. We're stressed by... Uh, uh, what has happened in the news with what has happened in our family. Um, and so I'm gonna tell you this funny thing. We, when we first started, we like to open the meetings with um, a, a uh, icebreaker, <laughs> you know, just trying to get to know each other. And those icebreakers have really evolved. 
Um, and one of the first ones, well, what are you buying now? And and before we started recording, Lauren and I were talking about this bookcase that's behind her, y'all, and it's, it's really nice. Um, but uh, it's kind of evolved into like one, one time, because we're sitting at home, I bought like $150 worth of candles. Now, <laughs> wow. You're at home and you're bored now. <laughs> and the next time I came on and I had bought glasses, I had, you know, those links start popping up and, <laughs> and all these glasses are on sale. We're sharing that level of, of stuff, y'all. <laughs> And I just keep going back to how important relationships are. And I share those stories. I won't tell you what my colleagues were buying, but I share those stories to say relationship is important. It becomes a part of, we've got to bring that into the classroom as we continue as leadership educators. You got to share the silly stuff so that you can get down to the vulnerability. You got to be vulnerable with the people that you're doing this work with, right? It. We started with just surface, all about a pad of paper, you know, but then we got deep and who spends $150 on candles? Was it, was it Bath and Body Works? It was Bath because, and Body Works. See, and I knew it. I would get one and buy five and, and I, I still ain't burned all those candles, but I didn't have anything to spend my money on. <laughs> so, you know, you look around and it's like, oh, I was saving a lot of money during COVID. Let me just say they make great gifts for your office administrators that Please they- know. Yeah, just yes, they 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 have names on them. Okay. When, we, when we get back to some sense of you know when we're back, uh, but but that vulnerability, you're sharing what you normally wouldn't share. It sounds so trivial, but when you can get to that level of work, you can really do some stuff. Yeah, you can really you can really get to the real work because there's no competition. There's no one up in each other. There's, you know, it's, there's not that, but it's just really wanting to help, wanting to be helpful, think about new ways to do this. You know, it, it, so if, if you can get yourself a co-inquiry group together where you're, you're, you're working with other people who have similar concerns and interests in order to understand this world, understand, make sense of our life, uh, develop new and creative ways to look at things, learn how to act, to change things, get your group. <laughs> I, I love that advice. It feels like a, a very mature and professional experiential education, like experience. You know, we, we design these for our students. We know that they're not just automatically going to be friends if we tell them, but right. then we, we put them together in these groups to produce something. And as a result of producing something, they build that cohesion in those relationships where you can talk about candles and cats and all of the things and it's okay and you're seen as it humanizes you and you're seen as a person i feel like the first 15 minutes dan and i are talking are always kind of like how's the kids and what's going on outside and i'm i'm becoming the old lady in my neighborhood where i'm looking out the window because i'm hearing noises and sounds that i normally wouldn't hear because i'd be on campus teaching so in those spaces that that you you really can build relationship and then we'll see like in five you know in five years we'll see a whole agenda full of articles that y'all have put out and published and and done all of these creative projects with and people will say hmm, where did all of that come from it's like well being being at home in the pandemic yeah yeah new ways to think about things 
So thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. We really appreciated this conversation. We're excited to see, you know, the work that you do in the future and just appreciate you for taking your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. That's Dr. Underscore Leadership. And uh, Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Mrs. Laura J-B. And you can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. And we also encourage you to subscribe and rate us five stars. As the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd also like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The Support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in New Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and educator. And he's currently an associate professor of trumpet, coordinator of jazz and commercial music, and director of ensembles at Coastal Carolina University. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, thank you to the Association of Leadership Educators. Check out what ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you'll listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts.